everybody welcome to another episode of rebunk my name is scott coming at you live from nashville tennessee and i got another fantastic episode for you guys tonight this is a this is a really important episode i believe um we're gonna go into some topics you know that are just not easy to deal with or discuss and it's probably why a lot of it gets swept under the rug to be rug to begin with you know what i mean like this is uh i was put in touch with uh tonight's guest simon essler from uh my friend uh john paul rice you guys you know he's been on the show a few times um you know he does a lot of amazing work in similar realms and speaks out about this stuff. And, uh, you know, he's like, Hey, let me introduce you to my friend, Simon. And I had the chance to screen this movie ahead of time. So the movie cut daughters of the West is going to be coming out here the spring here in just a little bit. And uh, I was, I had the chance to pre-screen it and I was just like blown away. You know, I knew a lot of these things, but it also uncovered a lot of things that I had no idea about. And so, um, I just want to bring this information to all you guys so that you can move forward, uh, with however you want to, with this type of information, hopefully, you know, we'll give you some, uh, calls to action in order to, if you want to take a more activist stance or how to get involved in like just speaking out or just creating more awareness around these topics. So very, very much looking forward to tonight's conversation. So just real quick though, before we get too far into it, I just want to show you how, how you guys can follow and support the show. So uh, the website is rebunk.news. And many of you know, uh, as you, as soon as you uh, click on the page, there's going to be a little pop-up that allows you to enter your email and get on the email list. And then that way you'll know whenever I go live or any announcements. Also, here's all the ways to follow and support the show. You'll see the affiliate links at the top, you know, that helps support the show. Um, any value for value donations in addition to the social media. So uh, Telegram is the best spot, t.me forward slash rebunked news. Uh, I'm usually in there all day, just or most days, you know, chatting with the people, uh, all the video platforms that we're on and make sure you're subscribed and all the podcast players. That way you, uh, you can listen on the go and then subscribestar.com forward slash rebunked is the premium content. Um, I'm uh, awful at doing premium content on a consistent basis, but you can become a reoccurring subscriber just to help keep you know support the show if you want to do it on a reoccurring basis so that's awesome and then the only other thing i want to shout out just real quick um is the t-shirt shop so ryan from big frog t-shirts and amanda over there that does a lot of these designs big shout out to oh my gosh okay this is hilarious every time i log into the t-shirt shop he's got new shirts on that i'm just like see this is new to me but yeah i remember him running this by me but like this is ryan's design the world economic newer you know what i mean they're fun it's exciting you know we like to talk about solutions a lot of times on the show, but you know, you can't, you can't pass up like a nice, like Klaus Schwab, like never ending psyop shirt. I mean, come on now, everybody. So rebunk.news forward slash shirts is the, uh, is the shop. You'll find a link on the website as well. Of course, the classic, everyone's favorite, the Beavis. Are you threatening me? Are you threatening me? <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, Gadsden flag design. So you guys rebunk.news forward slash shirts, go hit it up. So, all right. Uh, with that, you guys, I'm going to bring in our guest here. So, uh, uh, let's see, let's bring this up. And, uh, yeah. So my guest tonight is Simon Essler, who's a filmmaker, uh, you know, actor, father, who's, uh, been in the fight for a while and, uh, just made this amazing film, a very touching, powerful, powerful film. Uh, so Simon, welcome. Thank you so much for having me. I, I gotta say, I was very struck by that never-ending psyop T-shirt. That is so <laughs> awesome. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Big shout out to Ryan. I, I forgot he sent me those designs earlier in the week, and he's like, "Can I put these on the shop?" And that's usually how they roll. They're such they're so cool over at the shirt shop, as they just you know they run it for me, and uh, 
I just log in when I do a show and I'm like, oh, there's a new shirt. I for completely forgot about that. So yeah, I great. can hear the song. I can hear the the, the, yeah. the song. You know, <laughs> yeah. it makes me want to go make a version of that. <laughs> That's awesome, man. That's awesome. So, uh, man, like I've got so many notes here, so many things to get into, so many things to talk about. So first of all, thank you for allowing me to watch this film ahead of time. Um, it really, like I said, I I knew going into it is going to be a heavy topic, and uh, you know, I, I learned so much. Like I just I, I had. I, I mean, I got to be honest. So I kind of just don't cover this topic very much because I feel like the way it's portrayed is not helpful. I feel like a lot of like the like the right media, you know, they really kind of exploit it. You know what I mean? They kind of like just hype up like all these like kids and all these outfits and stuff like that. I'm like, in fact, to the point where in my Telegram channel. You know, I don't have like the, I, I put some community guidelines in my channel. Like, please don't share any. I don't care if it's a meme or you're joking or like, I don't even want to see like all of like the trans kids stuff. Like, just please, please, please just don't. You know what I mean? And so yep. maybe that's not the, because like this is a topic that needs to be discussed. It needs to be brought to the forefront. But I feel like a lot of how one side of it is presenting it, it's like it's almost, it's like exploitative in a way. And like, I don't even know if it's achieving the right goal. Do you have any, do you have any thoughts on that to begin with? Absolutely. You know, I yeah. literally made some content about this today. Yeah. I've been talking about this a lot that uh, the idea that this is a partisan issue mm -hmm. is not only misleading, but I think it's genuinely hurting more kids. Um, because, you know, when, when it becomes about owning your political opponents and shaming them, yeah. you're really only going to entrench them more into their political side, which actually can make them more radical. And uh, interestingly enough, actually, a um, journalist named Christina Buttons, okay, mm -hmm. she was working for the da Daily Wire, reporting exclusively on this issue. She actually uh, released an article today announcing her resignation from the Daily Wire specifically because of this, because she feels that they are exploiting this issue for political purposes. They're looking to constantly just promote this idea that... Uh, if the right wing wins enough debates, it'll save kids. And this is not true. And it's a big reason for why I made this film. I wanted to take this issue out of the political narratives that it was trapped within, because I feel like there is, there's an intention to make this seem like a political issue. And that actually plays into the hands of people who I think want this contagion to spread. And I think it restricts free thought. And I'm a big advocate for free thinking. And I think there is a very narrow uh, area in this issue where politics does play a, a role. Mm -hmm. So if we look at what's called the Overton window, mm -hmm. right? If you're looking at the Overton window and you want to get ideas into the sphere of public discourse so that you can actually create policies that are going to protect children, well then yes, to an extent you have to get into the politics. I know that it is a lot more right-wing politicians who have been helping get bills passed that are actually stopping these medical procedures by law. Some, some left-wing people supporting them as well. But so that's the one area where I think it's, it's acceptable to deal with some political perspectives on this. But other than that, we really need to be looking at this as a nonpartisan issue. For example, you know, you have someone like Billboard Chris. Okay? He's a dad who's literally just been touring North America, speaking about how wrong this is about the fact that children cannot consent to puberty blockers. They cannot even be transgender. He has a huge base of left-wing supporters. He's not a right-wing person. 
Um, so I think there's a lot of misleading rhetoric. I think you're completely right. And I think a lot of people would rather just be disgusted with the left than mm -hmm. actually take effective action and understand the issue more deeply in a way that allows them to help someone who might be ideologically entrenched in this area. Um, you know, a lot of the parents who are submitting to this and who are, um, you know, supporting the medicalization of their, their children, they're good hearted parents who believe what they're doing is compassionate. They don't understand the truth of what's going on, but they're not, they're not trying to be abusive in any way. Uh, a lot of them are really just confused parents who don't know what else to do. I know some of these parents. Before I made this film, before I got deep into this issue, I had numerous friends in my life who were medically transitioning their children. And uh, I know them to be good people who are trying to do what they understand to be right. So the more that we saturate this with political discourse, the more that we lose certain people and that hurts kids. So I'm a big advocate of removing the political narrative and of removing the narrative that this is gay versus straight, also very harmful and also very untrue. You can look at a group like uh, Gays Against Groomers. Uh, you know, they have been a, a community of gay and lesbian and trans people speaking out about this very openly in large numbers. Uh, and so that blows up that narrative as well. So people really need to understand that there's there's a certain amount of manipulation that is trying to narrow the discourse around this so that there isn't free thought. And that's, that's really what we need. Yeah, that's amazing. Very well put too. I mean, it's almost like one of those issues where we could all just rally together in opposition of something like this, because it is once you unpack it and you look at, you know, like your film does a great job of showing the statistics and how like very, very, you know, there's a, there's a time where all of this really started ramping up from like the childhood depression to the actual, you know, kids seeking out these types of treatments, surgeries, things, things like that. Like it happened at a very specific time for a very specific reason. You know what I mean? And so, yep. you know, we'll, we'll get into all that. So uh, I do have the trailer here pulled up. So uh, maybe let's start there sure. and then we'll start getting into it. All right. So you guys, it's uh two and a half minutes, but this is the trailer for the film cut daughters of the West. In August of 2022, obstetrics and gynecology reported on the latest demographic characteristics of patients undergoing labiaplasty. The latest rage in school shopping includes new body parts. The highest rate of cases was observed among adolescent and young women in the United States. I have to do something crazy that would make me feel happy. Make me feel happy. So what this graph shows is they deliberately harmed themselves to the point where they had to be hospitalized. So the rate for 15 to 19 year old girls is up 62% since two 2009. Now, the youngest girls, these are 10 to 14-year-old girls. It's up 189%. It has nearly tripled in the last five or six years. What's the cause? Confusing them. I mean, confusing them to the level that they would go to the extreme to butcher their own bodies. Self-harm has always been more of a girl thing than a boy thing. It's the leading candidate, and the timing, look at that timing, is social media. These are 10 to 14-year-old girls. These are preteens. They used to have very low rates. Starting around the age of 12, I began to believe that I was transgender. It's like a, it's like virus, a virus came mm -hmm. out of nowhere. Between 2016 and 2017, the number of gender surgeries for natal females in the United States quadrupled. I thought it was about tolerance. I really, I thought, I thought these rainbows were nice. <laughs> I didn't think they were so bad. I didn't see the dark side of it. In 2018, the UK reported a 4,400% rise in teenage girls seeking gender treatments. They didn't, they didn't used to cut, to cut themselves. themselves. 
It's the sweeping nature of transgender ideology that is overtaking our entire society. Using their, their fight or flight are being hijacked. Everyone has transphobia. They're being told every day that they're going to die unless something happens. Would you rather have a dead daughter or a live son? Do you want a dead daughter or a living son? No one explored why I did not want to be a girl. Who here really believes that as a 15 year old, I should have had my healthy breast removed or that should have been an option? <laughs> I don't know if I'm going to be able to have kids. There are interest groups that benefit from taking advantage of individuals' fight or flight mechanisms on a daily basis. They didn't used to cut themselves. And you can't go back. I'm ruined. I have to do something crazy that would make me feel happy. Yeah, fantastic. Um, very powerful. That really kind of encapsulates the energy of the film. You know, and I got to say, too, you know, I've been uh, ventured down the video editing road over the last uh, couple of years, and I just feel like your skills are just like, oh, my gosh, man. So congratulations. You know, I was just like watching the movie also with an eye of like, how did he do that? <laughs> so <laughs> so I always like to give props for around that. So great job. Thank the you. film is just amazing. So. Man, so, so much to unpack there. And so the one thing that kind of really uh, stood out to me that kind of ties back to what we were talking about at the beginning, you were talking about how parents submitting to this, right? You know, not having all the information. Um, one of the things I know you talk about in the film is the idea of like the doctors, like the messaging that the doctors give. And then we heard a couple of the people, the detransitioners in there, uh, which uh, is, you know, someone who underwent this as like a, as a youth or adolescent and then realized they made a mistake and are now trying to, you know, salvage whatever they can from the harm that they did. But uh, and so the, the rhetoric that they receive is, you know, would you rather have a dead daughter or a living son? Can you talk yeah. about that aspect of it a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. So this that's a really common phrase now that seems to have. Uh, spread throughout the sort of uh, the network of this social contagion it's one of the ways that parents are being emotionally blackmailed uh that's really the heart of what's going on and you know they're they're using uh bad research like it's not they're claiming that these girls are on the verge of suicide and this is not true so when you actually look into the statistics that they are citing, uh, and some of these doctors aren't citing any statistics. They're just parroting what they've heard from, uh, you know, academics in the field. But when you actually look into it, they'll cite maybe uh, a survey where they talk to kids who said they thought about suicide, and it doesn't relate it to transgenderism, and it doesn't really explain the fact that. Thinking about suicide is very, very different from actually attempting suicide or like any kind of attempt to follow through. And this is true, like medically in the medical community, they look at suicidal ideation and attempts at suicide as completely different. Very few like kids and adults even uh, who are struggling with suicidal ideation actually make the attempt. So they're manipulating this data by saying that all these kids are on the verge of suicide, when in fact, when you look deeper, uh, what actually looks to be more true is that suicidal rates and actual attempts go up after transition. Mm -hmm. 
because mental health is actually harmed by this because these are experimental procedures. We've never done this to children on mass like this ever. So anyone who tries to say that there's long-term data supporting this is lying because we all know that we haven't transitioned thousands and thousands of teenage girls uh, chemically and surgically. So uh, the emotional blackmailing of the parents, I think is one of the things to really deeply understand here because for example, in that political rhetoric, you often have people attacking the parents saying you're a child abuser how could you do this but you know if you were if you believed that your child was going to kill themselves and that you had one way to save them well of course you're just going to listen and follow through and you know in the film there's a clip uh, of this and Ch chloe cole the detransitioner who's currently suing kaiser permanente for medical malpractice they actually use that emotional blackmail language with her parents behind her back so she wasn't around and then they pulled her parents aside and started saying she's going to kill herself if you don't do this. Um, so, you know, the, the manipulation on the emotional level, it runs very deep. And that's a sort of theme throughout this. When you look at the propaganda that is being put out there by outlets like Scientific American. Mm -hmm. OK, um, they have an article. I'm actually I'm releasing a Substack on this soon to really like nail down what they're up to. But. You know, they have an article that talks about the, the truth about uh, gender affirmative care and how much it really helps. And a lot of it is really just trying to scare people into going through with this. But when you look at what Scientific American is citing as their data, first of all, it's 100% American only institutions and studies. Now, why is that important? Because in the rest of the world, in other nations, the practice of affirmative care, uh, which is just to affirm children as soon as they say anything at all, to immediately socially transition them and move them towards medical transition as quickly as possible. The practice of uh, affirmative care has been rejected by uh, the UK. It's been rejected by Sweden. And it was rejected for two main reasons. Number one, because it was actually deeply hurting children. But number two, because when they actually looked into it, they found out that the gender affirmative model really didn't have much to back it up to begin with. And so, you know, in the data that was released from the Tavistock Institute's gender clinic in the UK, when that was shut down, they literally said, we were copying the American model and that was our mistake. We shouldn't have copied the American model and we're now going to take that back and we're going to stop practicing that. Now, that doesn't mean that the battle is over there because I know that there is currently like a pushback in the UK to try and get these things launched again, because this is honestly, this is going to go on for a long time. We're, we're, we're just at the beginning of this in my opinion, but what it shows you is that um, there is the data around the world to show that th this is dangerous and that it doesn't have a backing to it. But when you look at scientific American and the way they present it in this information bubble, it really shows you that this is information warfare. They are keeping crucial information from people. So if a parent who goes through this emotional blackmailing ritual with a doctor, then goes try to look it up to see is this true, and they come across this Scientific American article, well, it looks pretty legit because they don't understand that this information is being curated. It's being heavily, heavily curated to continue that emotional blackmail experience when if these parents knew that the Tavistock Institute was shut down, that Sweden said, we're no longer going to do this to our youth. 
they would probably have a different opinion. And, you know, even here in Toronto, the largest long-term study in the world on gender dysphoric youth came out of CAMH here in Toronto. They followed these children. So they were clinically diagnosed with gender dysphoria and they were gender non-conforming. They followed, I think it's like a, roughly 150 kids. They then came back to when they were adults, followed up on them as adults. And almost 90% of them had desisted entirely, did mm. not become transgender. And uh, only, you know, the, the rest of them, that very small group actually followed through with becoming transgender. And also 60% of those that desisted just turned out to be gay, which as many have said, that actually reveals that this is a very homophobic movement, that it's actually transitioning children who would just naturally become gay and lesbian adults. Wow. Fascinating. Fascinating. Um, I'm interested about the idea of uh, the, the term social contagion itself. Like, what does that mean to you? And then uh, again, in the film, it talks about all the pushback against that word specifically. Like, like, what is the, what is it, what does social contagion mean to you? And what is with all the pushback towards that idea? Well, I think it's like when you, when you, hit the nail on the head, you really trigger that propaganda machine. Like that was the response that I saw. So there was a study by Dr. Lisa Littman that I talked about in the film. And, you know, she just get, she interviewed parents. She just interviewed 150 parents who were all experiencing daughters who had suddenly, very suddenly transitioned um, or become transgender. So, she was a very honest researcher who just wanted to see what was going on because the data was showing that all of a sudden there was an explosion of transgender girls. So when she interviewed these parents, there was all these patterns. For example, a majority of them uh, right before they had transitioned had had deep social media immersion. When they looked into the friend groups, it's something like, uh, you know, 70% more than would be expected of their friends are also transgender. So when we look at a social mm -hmm. contagion, what we're dealing with is like something that spreads through a group, uh, in this case of children, very, very quickly. And um, it, it does so in a way where there's a lot of groupthink going on. And I think groupthink for me is a word that really helps, helps to clarify what's occurring here, that there is a lack of free thought. And uh, when you look into the science of groupthink, humans are very animalistic when we get into groupthink. We behave in these tribal ways in certain conditions, and we don't think for ourselves. And that's a natural thing that humans do. And it's not necessarily a bad thing. There are situations in which groupthink is beneficial. It's part of human evolution. It serves a particular purpose. But um, in this case, this social contagion, um, it's, it's what's called a craze in the social sciences, right? Uh, and the idea is that the spreading of the social contagion goes so far that the needs of the group are no longer met in a healthy way. And the group starts to become harmed by the spreading of this, this trend, this fad. So, uh, you know, when we look at all the factors that I uncover in the film, you have a lot of things that uh, reveal this to be a social contagion, uh, especially when you look at social media, you know, that it, it coincides with the introduction of social media to middle school children. And I think this is why I thought it was so poignant that there was something similar that occurred with 
underage girls with labiaplasties mm. and breast augmentation, because that is a social contagion by the admittance of the largest plastic surgery journal in the world. They admit that media trends have caused more girls and women to want to modify their breasts and genitalia. Uh, pornography has contributed to this. So I think when you take that example and you take the introduction of smartphones and social media, anyone who is free thinking will acknowledge that there has to be a social contagion element. And what was so scary about the, the response in the media and in all these compromised academic and scientific institutions was that they basically tried to forbid anyone from saying that this could be a social contagion of any kind. They want you to believe that it's natural that all these girls are uh, exploding into transgenderism in these incredible numbers. And I think, you know, trying to reject that idea when there's all this evidence is just illogical when you, when you look at what's really, really going on. And it was sort of like when Robert Malone talked about, uh, what was the term he used? Oh, mass formation psychosis. Right? Mass formation psychosis. And then all of a sudden they're all like, there is no mass formation psychosis in unison, right? It's this response where it's like, you take the most flack when you're over the target. And that's really what it looked like to me. It was pretty wild. Um, in the film, you know, you know how the, you've seen it. So there's the, the scrolling articles Mm -hmm. saying this is not a social yep. contagion. Those were all original articles. The way I found that is that you can go to Lisa Littman's study and there's a section that actually has gathered all the articles that cite her study. And so that's where I found it. And it was just like wow. hundreds and hundreds of articles from, from all these different sources saying that exact thing. And the irony here is that they're really trying to promote groupthink. Uh, you know, they're mm. actually trying to create a sort of social contagion effect of people saying this is not a social contagion. Absolutely. Um, and it's just it's just warfare. It's just psychological warfare. It really is. It really is. And, and you know, you know, that was one of the things I was going to bring up, too, is, you know, how this traces all back to, you know, just the emergence of social media in the hands of, you know, young girls, young, young people in general. You know, I mean, I remember a world before social media, you know, and then my life has changed since then. And these days I try to use it primarily for just like promoting the podcast, stuff like that. You know what I mean? But I, man, I know I get it. It's like devastating. I can't imagine being a young kid in this day and age with that's like the norm, you know? And like then, and just the, and the film also correlates the uh, increased level of depression, you know? And, and it's like, you, you have all these, uh, these emergent, this emergence of things like, like, like depression, self-harm, all these like just skyrocketed post uh social media in the hands of kids and you know but then yet you don't want to acknowledge the fact that there's a tie to this new uh developing thing and i think it was like like in the trailer it said four thousand percent increase like yeah. like there has to be some contributing factor to that you know are we just going to pretend that it's not social media like i don't know well the response that that uh i've gotten on social media and that i've seen some in some of the pushback is that all these kids were going to be trans and the the conditions that we've created have made it comfortable for them to finally come out the way mm. that they wanted to and that there was too much transphobia and stigma before and now we've helped to reduce that by popularizing it in the media and all these things and they're comfortable being who they really are and you know my response to that is that um, if that was true then 
you would have an increase in adults. And there is no increase in mm. transgender adults. It has stayed the same. Um, and so why, why isn't there double the amount of trans adults now that there's double the amount of, of trans youth? And again, not even just trans youth, it's girls, it's adolescent girls yeah. who with, yeah. with no, no previous gender dysphoria at all. And that's unheard of in the, in the study. They, they've been studying gender dysphoria clinically for decades. And, uh, there was almost no data at all on uh, girls with gender dysphoria before 2012. That itself was new. Yeah. And, and, you know, that was one of the things I really wanted to get into with you as well is like, you know, when you kind of like when we were talking about earlier, like the clickbaity type of uh, daily wire type coverage of this topic, you don't hear about girls like like it's really just like the it's really like the boys because that's like the more sensational like like they you know a boy at like some strip club or something like that dresses a girl like that's the more sensational stuff and so it's like you don't hear women transitioning as, as much in the conversation at all like it's not not at all and yet that's the focus of the film and uh so i definitely want to commend you on that and it's just like it's just such a it's it's a powerful uh examination of just, you know, just these poor girls that are just like undergoing this, this relentless, relentless, um, attack really. And so, uh, what I was going to ask you is like, what was it that, uh, made you decide to zero in specifically on, uh, you know, how this affects young girls in the film? I just, I felt like it's exactly what you, you just nailed down. I felt like there was so much coverage of this and it wasn't being properly articulated that the daughters of the West are under attack like severe attack and we are losing you know we're losing fertility in in mm. these young girls okay and to me one girl being sterilized is heartbreaking because that's a bloodline right like that is that's a lineage of knowledge and, and dna and this is happening while we're in a crisis of fertility in the world right humans are already struggling to make babies there is a decline in our capacity to make babies um, and I think, you know, female biology overall is under attack, right? When you oh, look yeah. at the way that uh, gender ideology is trying to switch the terms around and say that you should call them chest feeding people, uh, you know, owners of vaginas was the one I saw the, uh, oh, wow. the other day. Um, they're, they're, they're twisting language because to honor female biology is to completely undermine gender ideology. When you really look at how incredible female fertility is and, and the woman's capacity to bear children, it is actually miraculous. And I'm not even saying from like a religious perspective. I've done deep dives into the science of female fertility. I did this for my docuseries, Superorganism, which looks at the war on the family. And, you know, there's just incredible knowledge that's being lost. When our culture doesn't celebrate female biology properly, we are losing so much in our understanding of what women actually do for the species. You know, for, for example, you know, uh, the, the merger between the woman and, and the child when a woman is pregnant is like mind-boggling. The child's cells move through the placental wall they rush through the woman's body and they start to heal the woman women have had uh heart damage heart attacks reversed by the cells of their unborn children in two weeks they found this they study this phenomenon it's beautiful but when you have language that is trying to remove the idea that 
It is biological women who are carrying this particular torch for our species. There is a huge loss. So, you know, I am very passionate about protecting our cultural perspectives on the feminine uh, because the, the, the harm of losing that and, and arguably, I, I got to say, I don't know if we ever properly celebrated it in modern culture at all. So like we're losing a lot of it, but we also just weren't properly acknowledging it. And so, you know, I felt very passionate about bringing this conversation into into a context that that showed what was happening to girls and that um, could act as a call to action to invite people to understand this from both sides of the political aisle. You know, I, I wanted left wing people to be able to watch this film, which is mm -hmm. why the research starts off with just the history of plastic surgery and cosmetic surgery and all of that, because that's a non-political issue and it's a non-political lens on this so that they can see where this started and that, yes, it did get wrapped up in a very political thing. Yes, left wing uh, ideology sort of carried gender theory into the world, uh, but that doesn't mean that all the social engineering that created these conditions was political necessarily at all sure sure that makes sense well let's take a moment here and let's uh let's take a look at the website here you guys so uh this is uh this is the website it's daughters of the west film.com uh there's a link in the episode description um you're gonna see you know a little brief overview you can see watch the trailer again here right there um and then there'll be an email list you can pop up you can sign up and i believe you said 10 percent off to sign up and then you'll be entered to win uh a yes. trip to the premiere you want to tell us a little bit about that yeah, so you'll get two VIP tickets to join us at the premiere in Arizona. Um, we're going to be hosting that uh, right now. I believe we're doing April 15th. Uh, I don't know that we have 100% locked in that date, but I'm pretty sure that's that's when it's going to be, mid-April. Uh, and we're actually doing this as a big, uh, a big sort of gala-style event. We're going to screen the film, uh, and then it's also going to be dinner and a fundraiser for the Gavel Project. Okay. And the Gavel Project, uh, I interview Ryan of the Gavel Project in the film, and uh, he has been waging what he calls lawfare against all the ideologically captured adults that have been willfully participating in this to the extent that it has ruined girls' lives, ruined families uh, in a very deep way. So we're going to be uh, sharing people, sharing with people his work and helping raise funds. So uh, it doesn't include airfare or anything like that. It's the yeah. VIP tickets to come join us at the event, but it is really going to be amazing. We're going to have uh, lots of media there. We're going to have uh, some of the thought leaders in this space, uh, some of the people from Gays Against Groomers. We're going to have some detransitioners sharing, uh, you know, their stories. So um, it, it will be a powerful event to to bring more of this into the limelight. And so. Uh, that is if you sign up before or by March 11th, you get entered oh, into right. that draw. And then we will be doing the draw on March 15th. Uh, and then also, you know, even if you happen to be listening to this after March 11th, we're going to be doing different promotions running all the way up to the world premiere on the 15th. So it's it's well worth signing up. Uh, you'll get the 10% off either way. And it's a good way to join the journey of getting this film to the world because you know, I face a lot of censorship. The, the trailer itself has been heavily censored on Instagram. So mm -hmm. I've had uh, influencers with big accounts share the trailer. And you go and you look at the normal views they get on all of their stuff. And they cannot seem to get views on the trailer itself. Yeah. Uh, the engagement has just been suppressed. So, you know, I invite people to, to join the email list because then I have an uncensored way of communicating with people and you can help support get this out there because 
we really just need to help save girls. And uh, that's why I created the resource section on the website as well. Okay, awesome. So let's talk a little bit about that. So uh, you mentioned the gavel project, like what are some other like calls to action, some things that you would recommend folks, uh, you know, if they wanted to get more involved, how can they how can they jump in? Yeah. So if you go to the resources section of the website here, uh, what you have is like an array of different things that can support people who are struggling with this. You have different therapy resources so that you can, if you have a transgender child, you can get them access to therapy that isn't ideologically captured, that isn't going to perform the affirmative care model. Um, you have uh, networks of support for parents who are struggling with this. So, you know, parents of ROGD kids, you know, some of that is parents who uh, have lost their children to this, whose children have mm -hmm. left the family. They're helping each other sort of mourn and find resources. Some of these websites will help you get access to kids' books that celebrate the body, that encourage children to love the body that they're in and to be who they are and to respect their natural body. Um, so there's, it's just a huge array of resources to help navigate this from all different angles and the, the more that I find, the more I'm going to keep adding to this. So I, I also encourage people to just share this and get, get people access to these resources because there's an active attempt to hide these resources from people um, because, you know, for example, here in Canada, uh, the gender affirmative model is basically written into law. Wow. And if you do not submit to the gender affirmative model, if you have a child in Canada, and you don't submit to the gender affirmative model, let's say you go and try to get them, uh, you know, some guidance to just reconnect with their physical body in a basic way. That can be considered conversion therapy, uh, and that can lead to fines and imprisonment. Uh, it could, you know, potentially lead to loss of, of custody of the child. Um, so, you know, there's there's lots to navigate, and people need these resources to be able to navigate it. There's, one, there's a, at least one site on there that comes at this from a, a Canadian perspective so mm -hmm. that people know, but, um, you know, it's war. We're living in a very sophisticated war and people need help navigating it. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thanks for putting that all together. That's, that's amazing. I'm definitely going to share that in all my social medias. So, you know, that's one of the more shocking parts of the film too. You highlight a particular case, I believe it was in Baltimore about, uh, you know, it involved, you know, another, another very dark aspect of this too, which is like the, the, the trafficking side, like the child trafficking side, like that's, there's a big overlap there, but then how the, the, you know, these judges, you know, who are whatever, for whatever reason, then step into a situation and, you know, that becomes the parents versus the judge in defense of their own child. Right. And, and the child has been captured by the state and is now like living in a home, you know, that's, that's one of the most shocking things ever. And so, you know, I, I know that there's different, you know, protections from the government in the, in the U S and, and Canada. And, uh, I just, it, it just breaks my heart to hear that that's, that's the case up there. You know, is there any, uh, anything being done up in Canada, like, like as far as like pushback for the legislation or, or as far as the, uh, the ability to like not have your child, like kidnapped by the state over this, like, like what, what, is there any efforts in that regard or what, what are your thoughts on that? Well, I mean, I think my, my first and foremost, my advice is to homeschool your children. Yeah. Uh, that is your safest bet. Uh, and you know, I know it can be difficult. I we're a homeschooling, unschooling family. It's a grind. It's, it, it is difficult to do. We have fortunately found a homeschooling community, a growing homeschooling community, uh, that uh, that's a good way to go as well. So if you're looking into going the homeschooling, unschooling route, do the research about who in your community is already doing that. 
because that kind of network can be very supportive because a lot of what's happening, the children are being indoctrinated in the schools. Then they come home from school and say, I think I'm trapped in the wrong body. You need to help me get, uh, you need to help me socially transition. You need to call me by this new name. Um, so I think that's, that's a really good option if you have children in school. Um, of course, for some people, that is not an option. Um, and, uh, you know, I know people who have children in the public system who are aware of this, and they just are very, very carefully following every bit of the curriculum, everything the teachers say. They ask, does your teacher share different pronouns? Uh, you know, any hints that gender ideology is in the classroom? Because you can give children intentional guidance to navigate the public schooling system. That is an option as well. It's not, you know, it's not entirely lost. It depends on your child to an extent. But, you know, I know parents who are doing this, who they talk to their children about free thought. They talk to their children at the end of each day about, hey, what did you learn? What you? And they, they help them work through it. So if your child is going to be in school, then you need to be very actively engaged in helping them process what they're going through. And, uh, you know, that requires a very close bond with your children. So keep your relationship with your children healthy, build the trust. You know, some of these things, uh, they seem obvious, but, you know, a lot of parents are stressed. They use school as daycare. Mm -hmm. They see their kids a little bit at dinner time. Then everyone goes to their room, to their screens. And that's it. That's the day. And you really got to try to break out of that pattern and, and connect more deeply with your children and show them what it's like to, to love who you are and to, to honor who you are. I think that, you know, the, the main message that got to girls was that your body is an obstacle to who you are. And that is simply not true. And we need to be very, very careful uh, protecting girls from that message. Exactly. I mean, that's, that's one of the core cores of this whole thing is like, you know, you mentioned earlier, like the rates of suicide. And that's one of the things that they talk about as a, a, a positive argument, you know, for, for going through with, you know, transitioning is that, you know, by denying them or not affirming it, right. As they say, then, um, you know, that their, the likelihood of suicide increases, but like, it's like, you know, life is hard. Life sucks. When you're a teenager, things are challenging. It's not easy for anybody. I see Colleen's in the chat, you know, she's recounting some of her younger years, you know what I mean? And it's like, it's not easy for anybody. And then if you offer this to them on a silver platter and say, Hey, all you need to do is have this surgery or take this pill and all your problems are going to go away and you're going to be perfectly happy. And then you go through with it. And lo and behold, life is still challenging. Life still sucks. And now yeah. you've done this irreversible, horrible uh, thing to your body. And, and maybe you do want to have some kids someday, but you've undergone this whole thing where it's like, okay, well, now I would say that is a more likely scenario for the suicide to occur. It's like you've done this irreversible damage or like males who go through with like, you know, actually removing their genitals. And it's like, okay, now life sucks. And now I don't have my genitals anymore like that would be a horror, you know what I mean? Like, it's just like, it's just mind blowing. And so, but yeah. of course they blame the, the, the rate of suicide amongst, you know, fully transitioned people on the bigotry and the, and the hatred and the homophobia. And it's like, I don't know. I think you might want to go back and take a look at that one again, you know? Absolutely. When in time has, have these ideas been more accepted in, in the mainstream? Yeah. Uh, you know, that, that that's never happened before. I think, you know, one of the other things I want to, encourage people to do, and I'm working on a resource for this, is uh, get back into rites of passage for mm. children, okay? Children need rites of passage. They need ceremonial transition, coming of age rituals. 
humans need these. We've had these for all of human history. And suddenly we're in this time in human history where we are not offering children rites of passage. So I'm, I'm in the midst of designing a course to help empower families to build rites of passage ceremonies and rituals for children, because I think that's one of the big things that's missing here. Adolescence is really, really difficult and painful. And um, when you look at more traditional cultures in the world, they put a lot into giving uh, an adolescent that new status of like, now you're a man, now you're a woman. Like, you know, mm -hmm. there's, a, there's a tribe in Africa that, uh, you know, they sew these things called bullet ants into gloves with the stingers pointing inwards. And they make the adolescent boys wear these gloves and do a dance. And what they're trying to impart to these boys is that a life without pain and struggle is a life without meaning. And you need to be ready for pain and struggle and you need to be ready to give it meaning to become a man. Um, so that's not to say that I'm advocating anything that sure. intense. But I think this is a really, really important thing that we've lost. And you know, it doesn't mean you need to do it from a religious perspective. I, I've, I'm trained as what's called a life cycle celebrant. I got certified in this many, many years ago. And it was uh, an education where I w went through the history and learned about the history of ritual and ceremony and the ways in which ritual and ceremony have stayed consistent throughout time. And rites of passage have always been there in different forms. And, you know, one of the only surviving mainstream rites of passage right now is a wedding ceremony. And even then, it's been very uh, commodified. It's been sort of taken over by pop culture. Or a lot of the times, it's just very dry traditions that no longer have rich meaning and no longer have the psychological impact that rites of passage used to have. And so that's one of the reasons that I'm working on a course for this. It's one of the other reasons to sign up for the email on the site, because I'm going to be sharing this course to give families the resource to, to, to design uh, ceremonies for their children that honor who their kids are specifically. I did this for my son. We, you know, he, he came to the end of his first seven years of life on earth. And we know that in psychology and in a lot of traditions, even in astrology, a lot of different ways to look at it, seven years on earth, uh, you know, it's very meaningful. There's a lot of things that congeal, you know, the child really starts to want to become part of the community. There's parts of their brain and identity that solidify. Um, every seven years, you've regenerated all your cells and you have an entirely new physical body of actual cells. So we, you know, we made a very simple, simple ritual for our son uh, when, when it came to his, his eighth birthday, which meant seven full years on earth, uh, where we just honored him and told him that we, you know, we really admire what you've been through so far at, at this point in your life. And we admire who we see you becoming and we believe in you. And we celebrated him. We watched a slideshow of him from birth up until now together and just, you know, really, really invited him into this rich experience of honoring him. And it, it was very impactful. And I think that this is another big thing that's missing. So when you look at girls who are not being given any cultural support systems like this to move into adolescence, of course, of course, they're flailing. You know, it makes perfect sense. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Well, when you get that course all done, let me know. Well, actually, I'll sign up for the email list so that I'll uh, get notifications about it. But when you're done and ready to talk about it, I'd love to have you back. And then we can promote that or talk about that. And I feel like that's a whole other topic that, you know, is yeah. very important as well. So that would be another fascinating conversation for sure. Um, so what, man, 
one of the things that's just so alarming about this is again, we kind of saw it with the whole COVID and the injection thing. It's like when you have the media and just every institution walking in lockstep on, on these topics, like, and we see that same, same thing with the, every single major institution in the world is just in lockstep with this, you know? Um, I mean, what are your thoughts on that? I guess. <laughs> well, that I think gets into more deeply understanding that we are living through a war. Yeah. But the question is, what kind of war? Because this is a new form of warfare. It's what's known as fifth generation warfare. Okay. Uh, it's very sophisticated, modern kind of warfare. There's lots of really good information. Um, uh, General Flynn just released a book on this. I believe it's called The Citizen's Guide to Fifth Generation Warfare. Mm. But fifth generation warfare is essentially warfare that is designed so that the people being attacked have no idea that there's a war at all. That is the heart of it. It's and, and it uses all different kinds of warfare in a very fluid way. And gender ideology is a really good example of this. So you can see how gender ideology, you know, it started off as uh, cultural warfare, information warfare, psychological warfare, which eventually transformed into biological warfare, mm -hmm. right? It, 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 it morphed. And to understand where we're at in history is to be able to take effective action. That's what's called situational awareness. So when we look at all these institutions in lockstep, what we're looking at is a, a form of warfare that we need to understand very deeply so that we can navigate what's going on. And, uh, you know, there are certain mental techniques that we can avail ourselves to that are very supportive. For example, um, being very comfortable with doubt, being mm -hmm. able to rest in doubt, being able to hold multiple contradictory truths. And interestingly enough, I'm doing some research on this for, for a, a film that that's a ways away, but I'm, mm -hmm. I'm in the beginnings of it. And interestingly enough, that's all right hemisphere stuff. It is the right hemisphere of our brain that allows us to rest in doubt, that allows us to hold different contradictory truths. And we look at the way we're being conditioned by these institutions and the way things like gender ideology condition us, it's all towards left hemisphere thinking. So even just with gender ideology very specifically, it is your left hemisphere that looks at the body as an assemblage of parts. Mm. And just sees your body as an assemblage of parts. It is your right hemisphere that experiences the body as this holistic sense of self, this thing that that we embody, that is us. That's right hemisphere. So when you look at what they're doing to these children and these girls, they're they're causing them to view the body only through the left hemisphere. So that it's just a bunch of parts. Go get your parts switched mm. so you can have a different identity. And that's not even using your entire brain. So this is a kind of warfare that is extremely sophisticated. And to navigate it, we need to actually balance our brains wow. and learn to use both sides of them. Fascinating. I love that. That's amazing. Wow. Geez. So uh, another thing that you covered in the film is uh, mom army and dad army. Can you tell us a little bit about those guys? Absolutely. Gals? Yeah. Yes. Yes. Uh, so, you know, mom army. I, I got connected with Seek Smith, who's the founder of Mom Army. Um, I had done the interview with Pamela, who she's known as the truthful therapist. She's also in the film. Um, and she connected me with, with Mom Army. And uh, so I ended up interviewing Seek, and uh, we, we just really aligned on, on our mission, on you know everything that, that we're looking to do. And so uh, there was a chance to 
take the momentum that mom army had, which is really focused on protecting innocence, right? Mom army is all about ending the war on innocence and the war on children. And so we wanted to take that momentum and launch dad army because there is a need for strong men to stand up. I think a lot of us have seen, you know, the, the whole COVID narrative really brought out a lot more mama bears than it mm -hmm. did, you know, the, the, the fathers, you 100%. know, I saw it. I can speak for that. Media? Yeah, yeah, I can speak to that yeah. firsthand myself. Like, go to these social media rallies or uh, uh, just just rallies in general. Like, I can yeah. tell you firsthand, it yeah. was like the mama bears that were activated because I was living out in Oregon during like up until just May of last year when I moved to Tennessee, and so we were in the midst of it. I tell you what, it was the mama bears that got activated. But anyway, sorry to interrupt. A hundred percent. Well, this yeah. is part of what we're doing here because men need they need a call to action here. They need to step up. Men need to gather. They need to. Join Mom Army in ending the war on innocence, but but also what's unique about Dad Army is that you know we're seeking to identify and end the war on men and masculinity, because there is an attack on on men, on masculinity, and on fatherhood. You know, on celebrating and honoring the power of good fathers. So many of our problems today in our society would fall away if we had a couple generations of good healthy fathering going on and that's something that is uh you know it's 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 lacking in our culture and i think when you look at the fact that men really didn't stand up and protect the women and children during covid you know you have a lot of men who are uh i think afraid of death i think there is uh, a struggle with mortality and and vitality and some of that People like to blame on like, you know, biological warfare. So like the drop in testosterone and men being feminized in our culture. And sure, there's some of that. But I think, you know, men do need to gather together and take action. And that's what Dad Army is all about. So uh, we are seeking to support Mom Army's mission in ending the war on innocence, but also speaking to ending the war on men and honoring fatherhood. You know, in, in my series, Superorganism, I found all this incredible science on fatherhood that I was like, why isn't this more well-known? Like when a, when a dad is devoted to a pregnant woman, mm -hmm. his body becomes receptive to the biofield of the mother. And so devotion is like presence. Like when he's present during the gestation process, it actually starts to change his hormones so drastically that things like prolactin, increase. And in these studies, they found that men who were devoted to the woman during the pregnancy, they got this benefit of the, the rise in prolactin so that once the child was born, that man's body was more responsive to the cries of his child. Wow. And that is something that just happens. The men in the study didn't have any idea their bodies were being changed this way, but it happens through devotion. And so fatherly devotion, there's an actual biology to this. Men are transformed. In this other study they did, uh, Men, when they went to hold their babies for the first time, there was a 33% drop in testosterone that sort of changed their emotional landscape and caused the men to be more emotionally available to the child. And it deepens their bond in that moment. So, you know, our culture, not uplifting fatherhood and fatherly devotion and the role of the strong father is actually causing us to lose these biological advantages that men are designed to, to activate through, through devotion. And it starts by being devoted to the mother. So I just thought it was so beautiful that, that men being devoted to pregnant women actually connects them more deeply to their future child. It's wow. incredible.
Yeah, that's the man. That's just absolutely incredible. Absolutely incredible. Oh man. Well, Simon, man, I just, you know, I can't tell you how much I appreciate this work that you're doing. Um, you just can tell you have a real passion for this and the, the, the film communicates that, um, I just am, you know, I'm, I'm gonna have to go back and check out all your work now. Cause I'm a big fan now. So this is amazing. I was looking at yeah. your website. Um, so you guys, there's, there's links in the, in the episode description, uh, daughters of the West film.com Simon Essler.com. There's links to the social media dad army. Um, and it's cool. You mentioned Substack, So, um, I manage a Substack page. So I'll have to, uh, link ours or I'll link yours up to like on our recommended list there, um, yeah. through the last, the last American vagabond. And, uh, yeah, man. Oh my gosh. Like, just thank you so much. This was a powerful, powerful, powerful. What else do you want to shout out? Oh, the other question I had is this, uh, this event in Arizona, is that a public event? Is that open to the public or is that? Yeah, yeah. Uh, it'll be a ticketed event. So I'll be okay. announcing, um, okay. on social media and through the email list, okay, cool. how to access tickets to that. Great. Um, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Perfect. So anything else you want to shout out? Anything else you want to promote while we're here? Go ahead. Well, I think, you know, uh, come, if you're on Instagram, come follow mom army and dad army. Uh, you know, help us get our work out there. We are connected to a, a huge network of organizations. So we are a coalition working with groups like the Gavel Project who are actively, you know, filing the lawsuits. We are working with people who are connected to, you know, politicians who are helping pass bills. We are part of this massive coalition that is taking real-time action. So I invite you to, to, to join us. Um, and uh, yeah, like check out my website, come, come see my other work and support my work. You know, I'm always working on pretty massive things that are a threat to those that are in power. So all the ways that you can follow me on social media uh, and help break up that censorship and, uh, you know, help bring my work to the world. Um, you can see the first episode of my docuseries on the family superorganism for free. The link is on my website, and I'm also going to be including in one of the promotions upcoming for the film, uh, I'm going to be including a prize that's uh, access to a screening to the film Vague Rules that I co-created, this one right here, mm -hmm. uh, with filmmaker Adam Riva. So we're going to be uh, creating some access to this, and this actually has some interesting overlap with the work in cut. So yeah, I, I do everything you can to help uh, get this film out there. If you have people who are you know, on the left, uh, or you may, might be on the verge, send them the website, send them the resources. Uh, cause this film is an invitation to people of, of, of all, all, all kinds of thinking. And, and that, that's the way that I made it. So. Absolutely. That's well, that's amazing. Especially if you know anybody who's actually personally going through something like this with their child or whatever, you know, that, that resources list is definitely a valuable, valuable tool. Oh, and so, I will say that, um, yeah. the website, there's some sort of issue with my website where you actually have to type in www.simonessler.com. Oh, really? Okay. It won't work for some reason if you do simonessler.com. It's a technical thing I'm working on fixing, but okay. that's a good thing to know. There you go. There you go. Uh, let's see. Oh, I was going to say the Grimerica guys said wanted me to make sure to tell you hello. Those are my buddies. Love so, those guys. Yeah, they're yeah, they're great. awesome. They're awesome. So, all right. Well, Simon, thank you so much, man. I really, really, really appreciate this. Thank you for your amazing work. And then uh, just uh, we'll have to have you back maybe after the premiere or whenever you want. Open door. I would love to have right you back on. to talk about anything that's on your mind because this is good stuff. So thank you so all much. Right. Thanks, Simon. All right, guys, everybody out there. Thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, thank you, Billiam, for the super chat there. And uh, all you guys will tune in. We'll catch you next time. And remember, uh, no fear, just crush it. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye. All right.